1: It's the Euros Digest here on Football Digest, I'm Guy Clark, welcome along favourites France gone, a Swiss roll into the quarters to face Spain following the Euros greatest day and today Euro fever hits Wembley once more, the meeting of a generation as England play host to Germany 66-96, you're feeling excited? Or are you feeling sick? We've half an hour to cover it all in the company of Football.London's Chelsea correspondent Adam Newson and the Newcastle Chronicles, Matt Ketchell. Adam, I'll come to you first. We'll get into yesterday's action and then preview the big game later on. But what a day of football. 14 goals, penalty shootout, extra time drama. Everything was there, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously there are people older than me, but for, for me, that's probably the best day of tournament football in my lifetime, um, especially that I can remember uh, just the, the sheer excitement and the amount of goals was uh, was incredible. And um, hopefully we can get the same today.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Matt, what did you make of, uh, of all the drama?
0: Oh, I mean, it just had absolutely everything. It was like watching two people have a go on FIFA, to be honest with you. There was so many, you know, subplots. There was frustration, redemption, elation, confusion, scenes in the, in the stands from from the fans. That was great to see, some 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 busy stadiums again, and a lot of brave players, a bit of complacency, just a, a brilliant script. It was just an absolute pleasure to, to sit back and try and take it all in.
1: Yeah, let's start with the France game then, and 3-1 uh, up, Adam. Paul Pogba doing his dancing, thinking he's into the quarterfinals, how wrong he was, and uh, Switzerland, you've got to give it to them. What a comeback that was.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was an incredible comeback. And I do wonder how much France thought that game was done at 3-1 and very much eased off. Um, because. It felt, you know, watching it, it felt as if it was done. Um, so I can completely understand why the French players felt that as well. And um, and yeah, I mean, Switzerland played really well. I thought they were the better team for, for most of that game. Um, obviously, there was that sort of 10, 15-minute spell where France sort of moved up the gears and you actually saw what they could do without the handbrake on, which I don't think Didier Deschamps really lets them do that often. So um, that was nice to see what France Potentially could have been in this tournament, um, but yeah, from from Switzerland's point of view, I actually thought they were the better team uh, in possession and out of possession. They seem to have a far better structure to how they attack from France, which was obviously let's get the ball to the really talented guys and hope that they do something. Um, but no, I thought Switzerland were great, and um, I'm I'm really pleased with them because you know it's nice to see a, t- a, a, a what words I'd probably say a team performance rewarded like that rather than uh, a, an excellent team relying on individuals.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Matt, up in Newcastle, you know a thing or two about number nines, and it was an, an exhibition of great number nine play. Certainly, Karen Benzema's first goal, I think he was deliberately taking it in like that. What a finish that was. But
0: Harris Seferovic, his two headers, absolute textbook. Oh, he just he just demanded the ball to go in the net, didn't he? He was just totally com- convinced it was going to happen, and it, and it did. And it, it was just amazing, really, to, to see France. They, they've played well for about 40 minutes of the entire tournament. Um, sw- them switching back to a back three, never played it. I, I, totally confusing. They had the best team, the best tournament manager, and, and it, they got it all wrong. Um, I think the, the, the failure is, is on Deschamps, to be honest. To go to a back three was a, a big error. And I really liked um, the Swiss manager, Vladimir Pekovic, just seemed really cool and calm and composed throughout the whole game. And I identified that uh, Rabiot down the, down the French left there was a weakness there and France exploited it, it brought on Kevin and Babu, who is a player Newcastle uh, sold on the cheap and has, has gone on to become a Champions League player and the delivery on that cross was as good as the header I think it was fantastic delivery uh, France couldn't defend it and, and that's what got them back into the game and like, like uh, Adam said France thought they were there. I think they really underestimated Switzerland. They thought they'd they'd stroll through it. I I felt like they were keeping something back for later in the tournament, thinking that this game would be a formality and they've been punished in, in a really embarrassing way.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, Fabian Char, also that penalty, that was some effort from a centre-half as well, the way he sliced it into the back of the net. But in terms of Switzerland, Adam, Granit are often maligned for what he's shown in the Premier League with Arsenal. But last night, a real sort of coming of age and showing why there was such a hype around him when he arrived at Arsenal, albeit on the verge of exiting.
2: I thought he was absolutely fantastic last night. Um, really did dictate how... Switzerland played, uh, dictated most of their possession. And you can kind of see, as you say, why... There was so much expectation about him uh, a few years ago and i think maybe at international level when you do maybe get that one or two seconds more on the ball than you probably would in sort of hustle and bustle of the premier league that has really benefited him in this tournament and it's benefited other players as well so we saw paul pogba last night you can see what paul pogba can be if you give him a little bit of time and space and maybe the same for jorginho in italy you can really see how effective he can be so someone like shaka probably does thrive a little bit more on the international stage just because it is a bit more calmer than the Premier League, um, and you know it looks like he's going to be heading off to Roma, and I think in Syria he'll probably shine as he as he has done in the Euros, and you know Arsenal fans will probably then be wondering why they've let him go, but I do think he is a, a player who is suited to, to international football, and the, and he proved that last night because he was absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, talking about £18 million, pounds, aren't they? sort of see on, on Twitter last night, a few people demanding at least another €10 million Euros is, is put on top of that, but it looks as though it's probably all but a formality. Matt, what about Didier Deschamps then? Because he, he's been such a good coach for, for France, albeit it looks as though Paul Pogba was calling the shots last night for a lot mm. of the time and supposedly had a word in switching to a back three. But a certain Zinedine Zidane is out of work. You just wonder if the, the French FA may well consider that the French federation that actually it might be time for a change for them
0: it's an interesting shout but I doubt it'll happen I think he's loved in France by the fans and importantly by the federation his contract's due up at the end of 2022 after the Qatar World Cup so it is an interesting shout because he did get it so wrong last night but I think they owe it to him really to he has won them the World Cup I think he wants another goal at the World Cup, and I think they'll they'll give him that. It, it, it's an interesting prospect. Though. I wouldn't mind seeing it to be honest. Sudan in an in, in international stage, but I think I think he will survive this. But he got it. He's got it hugely wrong from tactically and maybe personnel wise as well. He could have brought fifty players to this tournament. We all talk about the the strength France have in depth in all positions. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. I think rather than swapping the manager, I think it could be time for uh, some changes in, in in the in the personnel, maybe Lloris. Um, maybe they can find someone else and go, because Lloris, for me, I'm kind of surprised he gets the armband with France. And I don't know, he... he, he, he I don't know if he's at, at the same level he, he was in his, well, he certainly wasn't at the same level he was at his prime, and, and maybe he's a better option there. So maybe there would be a brave decision to try a new option in goal because um, Lloris, for me, is, is, is lets us, it can let France down on occasions.
1: Yeah, for me, Kim Pembe is a man who may well be walking the, the, sort of a uh, tightrope of his international career too, when you think they're under 21, Tadouba Meccano and Kanate, mm. the, the heart of defence, and Laporte's gone off to go and play for, for Spain. But we'll have to wait and see with that. In terms of going forward though, Adam, we spoke about the em- embarrassment of riches that France had, but Killian Mbappe, he obviously had the, the telling penalty, but didn't score a goal in the tournament and had a brilliant chance as well when he let that one roll across him. Never quite really looked right in
2: the tournament. No, he didn't. And obviously he came into the tournament with the sort of debate around him and Oli Jiru having a fallout. Um, yeah, he never looked comfortable. He never looked like he was at his absolute peak. Um, there were a couple of flashes where you really saw it um, in the Germany game and, um, and further in the, in the group stage. But yeah, last night you kind of just felt maybe he was trying too hard, but something was missing. Um And it was disappointing. And I don't know why, but you kind of just felt the narrative when he stepped up for that last penalty was that he was going to miss. Um, And obviously, that's what happened. So, yeah, he'll be disappointed. And I thought it was, I don't know if it was telling that after he missed the penalty, he very much walked off the pitch all on his own. There were no French players that came over to him at all to, to put an arm around him or anything like that. And, you know, you can maybe read too much into something like that, but it did seem interesting that nobody wanted to to go and console him, um, apart from Didier Deschamps, who offered him a a handshake. So maybe there is something there and maybe that's something that, you know, Didier Deschamps will have to to work on going forward because you need to have someone as talented as Kylian Mbappe firing. And, you know, there's no doubt if he had been on top of his game and and France would have gone further in this tournament.
1: Yeah, definitely. Six goals in that game then and Switzerland winning through on penalties. They will face Spain then in the last eight. And Matt, eight goals in, in this game. It had absolutely everything, including a terrific atmosphere in Copenhagen.
0: Yeah, I love that stadium. To be honest with you, it's 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 been one of the better ones for this for this tournament, and uh, it looked like it was quite even. Both both fans had about fifty percent of the of the stadium, which always makes it a bit more lively. But also, both teams just refusing to die. I thought both had brilliant character. When Spain went behind, I really feared for them, and I thought it would be a huge test one. But their response was was brilliant, and likewise, Croatia. Like Switzerland, they looked dead and buried, and they they, they just are they were a brave team. Um, I think really this game was lost for Croatia physically. I thought they looked really tired in extra time and, and, and couldn't cope with Spain. And they obviously Spain had most of the ball, so they were doing a lot of running. Croatia and you know the aged midfield legs of of um, Modric kind of told, and, and maybe physically was where that game was lost. But two brave teams and provided amazing entertainment for, for everyone watching.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there were a few Chelsea subplots in there as well, Adam. Cesar Azpilicueta is choosing a great time to get his first goal for Spain to put them ahead. Pascalic getting the goal to take it to extra time and obviously another Chelsea old boy in Alvaro Morata finally sort of doing what he's in the Spain team to do.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a great moment for Cesar Azpilicueta. I mean, you, he's the sort of guy you can drop into a game like that and you know he's going to give you a performance and it was a, a great moment for him to get his first goal. Um, in terms of yeah, the other Chelsea connections, Alvaro Morata, he's such an interesting striker. Um, he took his goal so well, the movement before it, he, it was absolutely excellent, but you can't necessarily rely on him to, to take every single chance that is going to come his way and I think that's where the kind of problem is for Spain going forward because I don't think there's an argument that they actually play better with him because he actually does a lot of off, of good work off the ball and he links play really nicely but in that crunch moment when you know it comes down to to can you kill the game off you, you, you'd never back him 100% and I think that's where the problem lies for Luis Enrique but um, no it was a, it was a great game and I thought it was interesting that Croatia really improved once they brought off Mateo Kovacic which um, certain Chelsea fans won't necessarily agree with me saying that but Having a midfield of Modric, uh, Brozovic, and Kovacic, you've got quite similar players who want the ball to their feet, who who aren't going to probably get forward too much. And the introduction of Pasalic, who's shown even during all his loan spells away from Chelsea that he will get into the box and threaten goal. And I thought that change actually really freshened Croatia's attack up and gave them another option, and it obviously paid off.
1: Yeah, definitely. What about Unai Simon then? The, the Spanish goalkeeper. Matt, he played a completely central role. We, we've seen in this tournament, we've seen everything, brilliant goals. We've seen sort of a few controversies here and there and goalkeeping howlers, Martin Dubravka, may want to sort of tune out now if he is listening into us. But that one from Unai Simon, that was horrendous. But then he came up with a huge save in extra time.
0: Yeah, four amazing close range saves. Um, he could have been Man of the match had it not been for the, for the, for the error. Um, it's the worst type of mistake a goalkeeper can make in the modern game because, you know, to cut yourself apart at this level as a goalkeeper, you need to be good with your feet. And we can kind of all see what he's done. I think he's, he's, he's already thinking of his pass. Um, and he's, he's took his eye off, off the ball. And I wondered if he was going to get the own goal. Um, kind of brushed his, brushed his, uh, Foot like the Peter Engelman one in the Birmingham Derby about 20 years ago, where a throw in brushed his studs and went in. But yeah, it was it was an incredible character for him because he's under the microscope because his eyebrows raised when he got the, the number one spot ahead of David De Gea, who's a legendary Spain goalkeeper who plays for Man United and has won all these trophies. So huge pressure on him. Um, and he didn't seem phased by it, to be honest. Um, the Spain players. Rallied around him very quickly, so there's there's a big spirit in that Spain squad. They rallied around him, and then he just got on with his game and, and made huge, huge saves. Uh, he's gone from you know potentially having his face photoshopped on a turnip to having his face photoshopped on Superman's body. I think so, a, a great, huge character, a bit a big player, and it's that those kind of moments in tournaments that you know can just spark something. And it's all about momentum, and and, and he 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 will be flying now. He he will feel as good as gold, and uh, Spain can have more confidence in him because he's got his big mistake out of the way.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And Adam, just sort of looking at Spain now, it's 10 goals in their last two games. Of course, they have had extra time during that time as well to to get a few extra goals, but Do you think they're up and running now or not quite? Because for me, one of the the real telling moments was when they were leading in the game. I'm not sure if they'd quite gone 3-1 up or not, but when Paul Torres came on for Eric Garcia and and, and then Rodri came on, it was about calming everything down. Yet Luis Enrique and his technical staff were bouncing around the technical area, giving off anything other than (laughs) sort of messages of, of calming it down.
2: I think they are up and running. I mean, I think last time I was on here was after Spain's second game and I I made the point that they'd had something like five expected goals in their opening two games and that that would probably turn out to to lead to more goals and and 10-2 is is pretty good going. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the substitutions actually probably hindered Spain yesterday in the sense of you brought off, uh, you know, Sergio Busquets and you brought off uh, Eric Garcia and that kind of threw off the balance of the Spain team. But, I think going forward now, you know, they are going to keep creating chances. If they can tighten up a little bit at the back, maybe get, Busquets gets a little bit fitter because obviously he he didn't have a, a sort of lead into the tournament because he contracted COVID and, and was home in self-isolation. I think Spain have a chance. Um, and I do just want to highlight Pedri because he's 18 years old and he's absolutely brilliant and he's only going to get better And And yeah, I, I you know, he's a, another sort of star at Barcelona are going to build their midfield around, I imagine, for the next 10 years.
1: Okay. That's yesterday's action flown through. Today, we're going to talk all about England v Germany. Of course, Sweden play Ukraine in the later game. The winner of England, Germany will play them in the quarterfinals, but we don't want to get too carried away. We're all about this game today. And Matt, uh, my nerves over the last five days have been shredding away day by day, but the day is finally here. How are you feeling? Are you confident or, or sort
0: of whereabouts are you? Well, it's obviously, it's obviously a terrifying uh, situation, (laughs) but uh, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to be glass half full with England. Um, and I think there's a lot to be positive of about. And I think I would probably rather be in England's shoes than Germany. Um, it's, it's there. It's there. It doesn't get any bigger than this. When you play in the back garden as a kid, it's England v Germany at Wembley. and, And this is, this is the game. I think England. Have the best, have the better squad. I think having um, English fans in in the stadium will help. I think England having prepared, it's in George's Park and travelled down to Wembley. That they're totally used to it. I think they'll be as well drilled as, as as any England team facing Germany has ever been. If it comes to penalties, I kind of have confidence that that they can do it because they they won against Colombia. Pickford is playing really well. England have a confident defence um and we know that there's room for improvement going forward but but that's probably our our strongest position so the fact that we've still got money in the bank up front is it kind of fills me with confidence and i think southgate's going to take a, a pragmatic approach to this and 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 i think he's got a really good idea of how how he wants to play and attack the game and i honestly i honestly feel it, it, I feel it's a very winnable game for England. They might make hard work of it. The first goal is absolutely crucial. Um, the first twenty minutes is going to be fascinating. I think that's going to be really interesting to see what the tempo is, who's going to control it, how everyone sets up. But yeah, it's, it's just it's going to be it's going to be a huge spectacle. These games don't come along very often, so it's just a case of trying to enjoy it. But we know that's going to be difficult.
1: Without wanting to put too much on 90 minutes of football, Adam, it is sort of a generational game, is it not? And chance to kind of rewrite the narrative around the national team. Everyone's been saying it's changed under Southgate. It's different now. The England national team are different, but the facts are we've still won only one European Championships knockout game and we go into this against Germany a side who know the course we may well say they're there to be got at but they've proven winners they know how to get through these kind of ties if we can win this today surely it finally is time to say things maybe are changing
2: yeah perhaps Um, I think England have an excellent chance of winning this game um, partly because this Germany team are incredibly unpredictable Um, Joachim Lowe has not really settled on a coherent structure or or system for Germany they're they're sort of playing the sort of Thomas Tickle 3-4-2-1 but nowhere near as well there's so many gaps that you can exploit Um, and I think it's going to be a case of whether Gareth Southgate essentially lets this England team off the leash a little bit because I think if he does the attacking talent that he can call upon is is so devastating and, and also direct in the likes of Sterling and Bowden and Grealish who, who may or may not start. But I think you've got so many attacking weapons that can hurt this rather shaky Germany defence that it might come down to whether or not Southgate is willing to take that risk. But um, from my perspective, I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm not too nervous and I'm quite relaxed. And maybe that's because I've closed my heart a little bit to England because I've been hurt too many times before. Um, but uh, I am looking forward to it because it should be uh, an absolutely great game.
1: Yeah, I just keep coming back for more time after time and uh, th- that's where we are. But in terms of the, the game then, Matt, and what Adam says there, do England play their best team and make Germany cope with them or do we change up, go to a back three, match them up and then try and win those those individual battles all over the pitch?
0: Yeah, I think you've got to put your ego on the shelf and I think match them up. And I'd be really surprised if he went four at the back. If he did, that's a bold move. Um, but I'd feel safer if he went if he matched them up because I think if we match them up, we've got the better players. And if England don't win this game, it's it's because of psychological deficiencies rather than ability on the pitch. Uh, England have have better players, I think, in most positions, or in the central midfield areas, which is which is going to be a really important area. That battle. Hinges on so many things. I think Kane has a lot, a lot of uh, work to do in terms of dropping deep, and and helping out his midfielders and, and bringing the wingers in. That is crucial, and, and Kane owes us a performance because he's he's been quiet for his standards in this tournament. So, a lot of a lot of um, expectation and pressure on the shoulders of Harry Kane. But I wouldn't want it anywhere else, to be honest. If, it, if he he is the best player in the team, so. Huge, huge moments on hit for him, but um, I think we, I think we do go five at the back. I'd feel safer like that. But if we don't, then fair play to Southgate. You know, fr- fr- fronting up Germany in a huge uh, all-stakes game like this is is uh, very interesting indeed.
1: Yeah. Do you, Adam, try and get maybe as many of your sort of Champions League? players who have been to, to latter stages, because obviously of sort of the last three years, we've had four teams in the the Champions League finals of the six participants. So do you kind of try and get as many of those players who have big game experience? I'm thinking the likes of Jordan Henderson, who's not started a game yet, coming back into the side, or does he kind of just keep with, with the way he's been going? And I suppose added into that Mason Mount, he's another, isn't he?
2: Yeah, personally, I think you would try and bring in that experience if you can, if it, if it fits organically to what you want to do. I wouldn't try and force it in there for the sake of it. I think from sort of the indications, I ring that I'm going to revert to a, a back three for this. And personally, looking at it, I would then try and include the Chelsea lads, but that's largely because they know the system really well. Um, but obviously, the, the caveat to that is that Mason Mount and Ben Shea will have spent the last ten days training on their own, so I don't see gareth southgate doing that but ideally i think you want that experience coupled with people who have played a back three before it is a change that it's not you know as simple as it maybe seems so you could try and get guys in there who've played the system who understand the system as well um but as i said england have enough quality to adapt in game uh, as well and i think even though the, you know, I think we kind of feel that it's Sterling, Kane, and, and Foden who will start off the bench, you have Mount, Grealish, these kind of guys who, who can be just introduced and really freshen up the attack. And, and hopefully the closing team is, I say, is, is strong as strong as the team that starts the game.
1: Yeah, we've seen even before he's been doing it so much for for Spurs, Matt, Harry Kane and this dropping deep thing. A lot of people get angry with it because he's a number nine, be the focal point of the attack. He is still getting in the box, but if it is going to be a back three, then sort of that role he plays in almost becoming a number 10 and number nine is absolutely crucial, isn't it? And then the fast wingers out wide getting the ball over the top to them. That may well be the, the space to exploit behind the German wingbacks.
0: Big time, yeah. I mean, I think Germany are an expansive team, so there's going to be room in behind. But our our defensive midfielders are going to be sitting low and protecting that back three because German midfield is is dangerous, you know, Cruz and and um, Gundogan. That's that's pretty dangerous. So they're going to have a lot on their plate. Probably Rice and Phillips. Or Henderson, they're going to have a lot on their plate. So Kane needs to come in, get a hold of the ball, release the wingers, and then turn around and get in the box, shortish. So it's it's he's going to he's going to have a busy night, but um, he's Harry Kane, so I expect him to. I expect, I expect him to hopefully do the business and the win that this game gives England. It gives it's so much more than progression to a quarterfinal. The momentum banishing Germany, and then the pathway that's sort of opened up now, not only to the final, but now the potential of you know. You're looking at what in Italy or Spain in the final rather than France. I think the pathways just become even more interesting. So it's a, it's a huge carrot, and I think I think this game is England's final. I think if England win this, they could go all the way.
1: It writes the nostalgia for years to come, doesn't it, Adam?
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. And
2: uh, there's going to be a huge amount of expectation. I think come. Five o'clock today, that England will do. I think people will try and play it down through the day, but once kickoff comes, I think there will be a sense of it. Oh, we can actually do this because, say, this Germany team aren't uh, a strong enough vintage to really strike fear into England, and with home advantage as well, you'd like to to think England can really raise their game. Um, And for it is quite a young group still, and I think this would be such a statement win as um, not just trying to throw it back to Chelsea, but you know Chelsea went through the Champions League overcoming and and putting down big markers on the way and I think that really built confidence all the way into the final and this has got a lot of the similar sort of age group players of 22 to 25 and a win like this can be huge for them not in just in this tournament as well just going forward to to know you can overcome a a big big country in, in a major tournament knockout stage is really important.
1: Yeah, definitely. Before we go then, let's pick our England team for today. I have to say, before we start recording, I was firmly of a back four thinking, but you two have convinced me that a back three is going to be the way to go. So we've got pick for goal. What, what are we saying, Matt, back three
2: of Walker, Stones and Maguire? Or yeah. is Mings? Yeah.
0: Mings in the thinking? Though? No, it's that back three picks itself, I think. definitely. Yeah. I would
2: personally play Rhys James on the right of the three, but that's just me.
1: Right, you play mm. right, OK. I was going to say, is, is James maybe the right wing back or or, or
0: Trippier? What, what What do you think, Matt? Well, do you know what? I'm going to throw a spanner in the works here. Saka played so well. I kind of think he's played himself in the team, but I don't think there's space for him in the front three. He could play Saka right wing back, which would be mad, considering we started the camp with four right right backs and none of them would you know Saka wasn't really considered one well. he could play Saka but I think he probably will play Reese James and keep Kyle Walker in the three because he just needs that bit of experience if there's one thing England are lacking it's a bit of leadership and a bit of experience Walker not massively vocal but I think he will play in the in the three and then it probably will be James right wing back but maybe Saka who knows
1: yeah what about what about Saka even as left wing back Adam he's done it a number of times for, for Arsenal or will, will sort of Luke Shaw just retain that position
2: uh, I think Southgate will go with Luke Shaw. I would probably go with Saka, just because I think you want your wing backs to have a real threat in behind opposition defenses when they get high, and Saka has the ability to do that more than than Luke Shaw. But uh, I'm not Gareth Southgate, and I imagine he'll go with Luke Shaw. And I probably imagine he'll go with Kieran Trippier to be honest on the other flank as well, just because of the experience factor.
1: What about midfield two? Then I, I would say Henderson and Phillips personally. Um, but what about yourself, Adam? I'll come to you.
2: Uh, I would go Henderson and Rice. Uh, I think you need Rice in there just because of his defensive awareness, probably more than anything. I think we saw in the Croatia game, I think it was, how often he just dropped onto a uh, sort of penalty spot when defending and how important that was in cutting out crosses. So I would go with Henderson and Rice, uh, but I completely understand the argument for Calvin Phillips in there. Yeah,
1: Phillips did such a good job, didn't he? Smothering the Croatian midfield in that first game. It'd, it'd be a pick for me. But, and, and Henderson, as I say, that big game experience and he has sort of played that deep midfield role for, for Liverpool more often
0: than not as well. Matt, who's your midfield too? I think Rice and Phillips I think there's you know there's a familiarity there they've played the, all the games together so far but it's all about how what shape Henderson's in and, and Southgate will know that because he's watching watching him every day so we're not really privy to that you know how sharp is Henderson how much fit is he if he was if he was near 100% he would probably start but I'd be surprised if he was so I, I think he will reward Phillips and Rice for their performances so far and go with those two.
1: Right, my front three is going to be Kane, Sterling, and Rashford. I'm going to go for the the three that tore Spain apart, and I think mm. that might be might be the way to go. What about you, Matt?
0: I think Foden, uh, Sterling, Kane, and Foden. I uh, just love Phil Foden love everything about him and he's he's fresh and ready and has, has played in big games I can see the argument for Rashford um, because like you say that Spain game where, where it really did click uh, and Rashford is a big game player as well uh, he doesn't he hasn't looked quite right for me Rashford in terms of shortness so personally I would have Foden on the right there
2: Adam uh, I think we'll see Sterling, Kane, and Foden. Um, to be honest, had Mount not, not been forced to self-isolate, I don't think there's a, there's a doubt in my mind that he would have been starting instead of Foden, um, just because of the, the work he does off the ball, I think would be really important. But circumstances would... would sort of rule him out almost just because he hasn't trained with the squad for, for ten days now. Um, he came out of self-isolation last night. I don't think you could really chuck him straight in. So um so yeah I think it will be Kane and, and Sterling a lockdown in and, and then it'll be Foden. And I think Grealish will, will be on the bench and I appreciate a lot of people will probably be quite disappointed with that, but I don't think Gareth Southgate fully trusts Grealish. Not on the ball, I think on the ball he's fine, but off the ball I just don't think he, he fully trusts him to do the sort of pressing that he wants.
1: No, I think in the back three, isn't it? I think it's probably difficult to maybe accommodate Grealish and I suppose none of us have really put up much of a a shout for him. But one big thing, Matt, there's five substitutes, isn't there? So even if things aren't working early, even after half an hour, change things up, you can change half the outfield team.
0: Yeah, so many options. Use use them. Uh, Five subs. That was maybe the big criticism of Southgate in 2018. Didn't change it in the second half against Croatia. They were controlling the ball. Uh, they, England couldn't get the ball back, he had to change it, he didn't. I hope he's learned from that and I hope he, he uses these five subs. If, if it's not going England's way, mix it up. There's so many options from the bench. If it is going England's way, make some subs and run the clock down. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just don't want penalties. Too many people, <laughs> you included, Matt, saying that you're confident about penalties. I'm definitely not, but we'll have to wait and see how it does all play out. Then England against Germany at Wembley, last 16, and who knows, a path further into the tournament certainly lays in wait for the winner. From myself, Guy Clark, Adam Newsom and Matt Ketchell. though, thanks for your time and your company here on the Euro digest. It's bye for now.